everybody. Welcome to Slipknot. Uh, it's Abe here. Adam is uh, at home, not on the line. He's doing family stuff. But I've got Andy Smedegard, or Smedgard, as uh, Adam <laughs> might call him, uh, on the show for, I guess, two parts. One is going to be a lunch breakdown, and the other will be a, a more conventional show to talk about the things that he's been up to in the last couple of years. So, Andy, uh, you've not been on the show for a while. Um, we've got a new show format. And so, uh, for those who aren't familiar, um, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and when you started driving and, uh, uh, kind of what drew you to, to the hobby? Oh, yeah. Well, um, I'm Andy. I, um, I run a shop called ASM and, uh, that actually started primarily because it was just a hobby. It was, you know, just playing with cars, started going, doing some autocrossing and, that led into some track event stuff and eventually um to make a long story short led into a whole business which is what i do now um basically just building and maintaining track cars uh you know some street car stuff you know people that want to tune their car up tune their car up and make a little quicker but yeah um so for how long have you been driving i've been doing driving events probably now for at least 10 years. Um, I've, I've really just started getting super serious about it. Probably it's probably about six, seven years ago. Um, started taking auto autocross a little more seriously, went and did some, uh, SCCA national stuff and then, um, started getting into some track stuff. So you're, uh, you're pretty humble there. Uh, you, you won in an S 2000 in what year? Don't remember. <laughs> um, I think it was B Street. Is that right? It was. It was B Street. I honestly, I I'm really bad with remembering dates. Um, this had to be at least five years ago, I think. Um, but I I first won with RTA. It was a provisional class where they started the street tire stuff. Um, I won in a WRX. I think that was 2014. And then I think 2016, I went back in B Street with an S2 and won first there. That's awesome. So uh, let's let's kind of dive into the lunch breakdown format. First question is, um, you drive a lot of different cars, but uh, what's your car of choice and what do you use it for? <laughs> car of choice, obviously, I think is an S2000. <laughs> if anyone that knows me probably knew that answer. Um, mostly because it's just a... It's a pretty simple car, rear-wheel drive, naturally aspirated, and just a car that can take um, a lot of abuse and is very rewarding to drive at the limits. Well, there's there's a lot of cars that sit um, kind of in that category, right? You've got BRZs and you've got Miatas sure. especially, yep. and Miatas have been around forever. What about yep. the S2000 is unique to you? Um, well, I mean, it's a little more powerful than, than a Miata. Same with the BRZ. Um, I think it's probably better balanced um you know keeping the engine sort of almost a mid-engine car it's i don't know i i think out of all of the cars in that this price category the s2000 is the one to get um you know a brz is close but i still think an s2 can do it better same with a miata and i think that's just what drives me to the s2 is it's hard to beat the value you get from from that price so um you have uh, an S2000 you call Trainer, um, which has 
kind of lived a very rich life and it replaces the ice 2k, which was your ice racing S 2000. Um, those yep. cars are, are kind of simple setup vehicles and, uh, you use it as a platform to really develop and, and hone your driver ability. What modifications to that car were done to make it the like HPDE setup that you have? Well, um, I guess if, if someone's listening, wanting to know what it takes to make an S2 their own trainer, if you will, um, not much. I mean, just brake pads and good tires, you know, that's about it. It doesn't need anything more than that. Um, I, I generally like to, um, I like to do the suspension stuff. Um, and, and mostly that's, that's really the, I feel is all that's needed. Um, the engine wise makes okay power. They're like 200 horse stock, which is enough to have fun. Um, brakes, I stock brakes are fine. Just good, good pads. And, um, maybe some decent suspension and that's really it. You know, it doesn't need to be much. So, um, I know that with some of your S 2000s, you've done a little bit more sophisticated suspension stuff. When you talk about doing some suspension work, at least for an entry level S two, what do you, what do you want to do or what do you advise people to do? What, what I like to do is, um, I like to at least start with the, the, bushings and stuff i replaced all the oem bushings with sphericals most of these s2s i mean they're getting aged so a lot of the bushings are getting kind of rotted out and cracking and and just a lot of deflection um so doing sphericals and kind of going through and bringing bringing it back to new um maybe some new coilovers sway bars um yeah that's really about it do you uh, do you have a choice a chosen provider or a preferred provider for coilovers? Uh, there's a few. Um, I've I've been a pretty big fan uh, for the value you get from the Reinhardt stuff. Um, we've kind of went through with them and and tried to kind of build a package that's a pretty affordable. Um, and I, it's hard to beat that value. I think for fifteen sixteen hundred bucks, you can get a pretty competitive setup. Um, I've played with on on like my own car. I've played with some Motons and some higher end stuff. And while it is a little bit better, it's about I don't know eight times the price. So I'm not sure if the chasing if it's value worth it's, the, it's hard to beat. Um, so if I remember right, I guess uh, your your sister shop or however you want to describe it. There, if I remember, there's an RS Motors spec uh, Reinhardt coilover. Is that is that specific to an Evo or what else does that go for? Uh, that's mostly, I think, the Evo. When we were playing with the Evos a lot, we kind of worked with Reinhardt to try to make a good package. Um, but uh, the, the nice thing with Reinhardt is they'll custom build you whatever you want. So if you work with them, they'll help you set up the car, revalve the, the shocks. You know, you pick your own spring rates. Um, they'll, they'll build you whatever you want. So that's kind of what we've done over the years with a couple different platforms, the Evo to start with, and then now the S2 we've we've worked with them to try to help make it a good value suspension that you're not spending $8,000 on, you know, you can spend $2,000 and get a really well developed package. So uh, the next question is, and I think you've touched on this a little bit is um, why did you decide to waste your life on this automobile? I mean, it, in, (laughs) in the category of anything that you could possibly drive under 20 or $25,000, there's, there's a whole bunch of things 
Um, like BMW straight sixes are really popular, but you think it's the S2 that is, that's, that's what you should have. And, and do you advise other uh, people the same? No, I mean, I, I don't know why I've, I've grown very fond of the S2. Uh, pr- price point is probably the main reason is it's a car you can go track, do 20, 30 minute sessions and drive it all weekend and maybe just replace some brake pads and tires. And that's it. I, I, I'm still, a, I'm a fan of any car that can do that. It's not just S two thousands. Um, I, I really think, uh, you know, BMW, you know, like an E E 36 or an E 46 or something, um, any car that can turn 30 minute sessions and not, um, you know, not have to worry about the engine exploding or anything is a good car to have. Sure. So, uh, the next question is what does it do well, uh, on track or for high performance use? I mean, what do you think the high points are? The, the, of the Honda S2000? Yeah. Um, the lightweight, you know, you can get these cars down to 25, 2,600 pounds pretty easily. Um, and then just keeping it a, a very balanced car. I think that's what really makes it a hard car to beat. You know, even if you get into the BMW stuff, you know, I know those cars can take 30 minute sessions, no problem, but they're still a little more front heavy. They don't have, you know, maybe a nice suspension, um, you know, like the double A arm set up on an S2. Um, but the, the problem now lately, I think, is S2s are getting so much more expensive. I don't know if they're getting more desirable or more rare or what, but the price of them are just going up. So, Well, um, I think I've said on the show that I think the high watermark for uh, reliable track cars is probably like pre-2006. And if you look yeah. at the... Uh, production run of the S2000, it's kind of in that heyday for cars that are going to be reliable even 15 or 20 years from now. Yep. Um, okay. So uh, we talked about what it does well. What does the S2000 suck at? What are the biggest problems and failure points? Well, I, I wouldn't say it's, this is, um, it, it really comes down to when you start adding power. I think that's where you start finding lots of weak points. They're not, a car, it's not a car that's made to handle a lot of power um, but beyond the engine. The engine actually can take a lot of power, but everything else can't. The The drivetrain is weak, the the trans, the diffs, the axles, um, even com- coming down to the suspension stuff. Um, you know, you start throwing big, wide, super sticky tires on it. You can start breaking suspension arms, um, start ripping the arms off the, the actual chassis or breaking spindles if you start getting too aggressive with curbing. Um, it's really a car that's built for the power it was given. And, and really, that's, that's how a car should be built, right? You want it to be the most efficient as possible. You want it to only be as strong as it needs to be. Any stronger, and it's just carrying around more dead weight. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, so what are your future plans uh, with this chassis? Um, I don't know. I mean, I, <laughs> I, I think it's a, a good chassis for um for that 200 ish horsepower level more than that you really start um having to overcome a lot of other obstacles and as like alex's car with the the super k i mean that that's been a perfect example is we've been finding weak links every every time we add power or every time we try adding more grip we just keep finding and breaking parts so if you keep the car at that 200 ish horsepower level car is perfect and i really think that's where the car should stay i don't think it should be giving a lot given a lot more power if you want more power find a chassis or a car that really is 
that came with more power from heavier, the factory. Yeah, or like heavier duty stuff, right? It right. seems like it's yeah. easier to make way more power in a Corvette, as an example, because you're not right. starting with lightweight axles and, and drivetrain diffs exactly. and, and transmissions and all that. And I, and I know a lot of people like the the builder kind of car, right? Where you're you're trying to build the car and and do all the upgrades and you're basically building it yourself. But you're then you're having to kind of fight those battles where if, if you just start with a car that came with more power from the factory, the factory, you know, manufacturers did their R&D and they know they, they made the car handle the power it was given. So, so uh, I, I realize that this is kind of your business and you, you do have a number of clients who, who go crazy with the modification game, but I feel like the sweet spot for, I don't know, 95% of the circumstances for most drivers, the sweet spot is like a full bolt on car, right? Like right. stuff you yep. can just attach to it and maybe retune it. Um, if, if your car isn't fast enough as for you as a full bolt on car, uh, it might be wise to just pick a chassis that's or a pick a, a platform that's faster from the factory because right. the yeah. second you start to tear into stuff, it, it just, it, it, it becomes a different animal. Right. And there's so much development in these cars that people really aren't, um, they they don't think about. So you trying to quadruple the horsepower of this car is it, it's more than just putting forged internals and all that stuff in, you know, you've, you've got to completely redesign the entire cooling system and everything around the car. I mean, the brakes need to be upgraded with it, the suspension, the chassis. I mean, it's, there's so much to it. So well, you, why I mean, spend, why spend a hundred thousand dollars on a $10,000 chassis when you could just spend that hundred thousand dollars and buy a Porsche or, you know, Corvette or whatever, something that can take that kind so of, so I think, uh, Alex Moss and I have made this joke before, but, um, Time Attack, uh, which you uh, drive regularly, is the uh, really the only automotive activity that we know where you can take a ten thousand dollar car, spend sixty thousand dollars modifying it to make it faster, and end up with an eight thousand dollar car. <laughs> exactly, it's super silly. <laughs> um, but you've, uh, I think you've talked about um, some of the modifications that you do at the shop. But more recently, you have become a uh, kind of uh, an, an expert in swapping K-series into the S2. Do you get a lot of internet hate for doing that? And uh, do you think, I mean, for a lot of people, is that a smart decision? Or, or what is your typical client who's coming in for that kind of swap? Um, so I, I guess I, I, maybe I am getting a lot of hate on the internet. I, I try not to go on and read too much. Well, because I, I'm, just, I don't know. I, I think people perceive the F motor in the S2 as this like holy spiritual, spiritual, untouchable yeah. thing. And how dare you like swap <laughs> out a more common motor, you know, whatever. So, so there, there is definitely things that with the F series that are probably better than a K series. You know, the, the F series engine is, is a good engine. Uh, there's no doubt about it. The big problem comes down to is they're not very abundant. They were only put in S 2000s. They aren't made anymore. They're only getting, there's only becoming less and less F series out there as people start blowing them up or whatever on, on S 2000s. I, I wouldn't really just come out and tell someone, Hey, you should just do a K. It really comes down to the application and, and what the long-term goals are for this, the customer and the car. 
a, a K series makes sense if um, if if you're going to be racing it and it's um, you know maybe going to be adding power. K series you can buy super cheap. They're they're very abundant. Um, they, they they can make a little bit more torque, which is kind of the nice thing with the K. You can make have a little bit more usable power. But the the cost to do a K swap on an on an S two thousand isn't it's not cheap and it's not something where like, Oh, if you blow your F series up, Oh, just put a K in it. Cause it's cheaper. Well, no, it's, it's actually about two or three times the cost to put a K in your S 2000 versus just finding another used F series, at least right now. Anyways. So, um, l- let's say a customer does come in and, um, they, they say they want K series. Um, how many, how many hours, I mean, you've done a bunch of these now, how many hours does it take for you? Even, you know, even streamlined, how many hours of work actually is it to get all the systems to work the way they should? It, the time, it doesn't take much. I mean, it, honestly, the actual work involved to do a case swap, I, I could have it done in probably a weekend pretty easy. The, the difficult part is getting all the parts lined up, um, which usually involves trying to f- figure out with the customer, like who's ordering what, you know, and what parts do you want? You know, it's, it's not a... Um, <laughs> no one's really came out with a complete kit that's super simple. There's so many different little options you can do when you're doing a K-series. What ECU do you want to use? What harness do you want to use? What uh, intake manifold setup do you want to use? Um, so, I mean, that, trying to figure out what what's the best route for the customer, which usually involves figuring out what the customer is going to do with the car, what their long-term goals are. That's honestly where more time is spent. Um, if I've got all the parts here, I mean, making it, putting it all together and putting it in the car is super easy. Okay. So, um, you, you've, you've talked a little bit about how you started with cars and you, you kind of dabble and you grow and you grow and you grow. Um, given where you are right now and the life decisions that you've made in the last decade, would you do (laughs) this all again? Would what? Would you do this all again? Um, and I didn't I have to think about it. I probably, I mean, this, this is definitely, it's a fun, you know, kind of a fun business to be in. Um, it's not necessarily, necessarily the, the best business to be in if you want to make money. Um, well, I, I, I remember I, you I, saying I find myself always thinking ago. like the amount of effort I put into this business, if I would have put it into that same effort into something else, I sure I could have made more money, but I'm not sure if I would have enjoyed it as much. Yeah. Well, I, I think if you're not enjoying it, it's awfully hard to put that much effort into something, right? Right. Yep. Um, you, you know, you, you might get effort or excuse me, you might get enjoyment out of it if you're just naturally very good at it. But if even then it, it's, I think it's tough to stay this motivated. I mean, cause you, uh, in a typical work week, how many hours are you at the shop? Uh, you, it's usually about 10 to 12 hours per day. Um, something like that. Sundays. <laughs> you work on uh, Saturday and Sunday as well. Yeah, usually it's, if either I'm at work or if there's a, a track weekend or whatever, usually I'm doing yeah, so that. You're so like uh, you're a drifty boy now. You got to go out and do all the drift stuff. Yeah, trying to trying to do a little bit of drift. Um, trying to really just do every sort of driving discipline. It's kind of just been a, a goal of mine to learn every type of driving. Um, so on that note, um, Adam and I both agree that 
doing well uh, competitively at this hobby is so incredibly hard. What yeah. what about this entire sport does it for you to keep you coming back? I I honestly love learning, and I, I, every time I learn something, I want to learn more about it and more about it, and and dive deeper into it. Um, so I mean that that's honestly what just keeps me. I don't know, just wanting to be better at it, you know, or, or smarter at it. And well, I think you've said to me probably a million times about some some aspect of of working on an Evo. You're like, well, you know, it's it's not that hard once you figure it out. And I think that's <laughs> in general that's true of almost anything. But yep. figuring it out can sometimes be really difficult. Yeah, and and I, I like the challenge. I mean, I, not that everything is easy to do, but it's it's that challenge to figure it out. And then once you do figure it out, it is easy. So that that's kind of what keeps me motivated is to just figure it out. Right. It, and make it, make it easy. And if it's not easy, you didn't figure it out yet. Figure it out. Um, <laughs> so uh, last question is, um, uh, and we can keep this specific to the S2000 if you like, you know, what recommendations or, or what, what, previous pain points did you have uh, on your path to modifying these S2s that uh, people could learn from? Or like, you know, what do you want people to know about the the work that you've done um, to try and help someone in the future? Um, I don't know. Well, uh, I mean, surely... Surely you did a mod or you, you put a part on that, like, you were like, man, I, I really regret either spending that money or, you know, the, the stock stuff was sufficient or, like, it was way hard to install that thing or, I don't know. just Yeah, the, the, I think with the S2000, the, especially as they become more aged, um, the biggest thing I did um, was was starting with doing more of the, the suspension stuff, trying to... Um, the, the cars, some of the early AP1s are known to be very tail-happy and twitchy. And I think most of that comes from a lot of the old bushings that become very degraded and, and start to let basically the wheels and the toe do whatever it wants. Um, so putting so spherical's started, on kind of offsets that? Yeah. Yeah, when I, did, when I did all the spherical's and stuff, I noticed the car just becomes so much more compliant and it wasn't trying to kill you every time. Still was very fun to drive, still lively, but not nowhere near what it used to be. So that's kind of one of the, I guess, the first mods I always try to do on S2 is just get the suspension refreshed. And if it's a track car, um, I'm a big fan of sphericals. And um, if it's not, if it's if it's not a track car, yeah. Um, well, I guess maybe it's a car that's driven a new, on track. Find a new daily and put it, turn it into a track car. I, mean, I guess. <laughs> So I, I guess the the downside for sphericals for for anyone who doesn't know what these are is um, sand, salt, grit, road grime, whatever can disrupt the um, yeah the, the, the free movement of a spherical, right? So right the, the, the wear um, it's it's really not something you can put in a car and it lasts a hundred thousand miles. They're they're they would definitely wear out a lot quicker if you're using it for daily. And yeah. and there are other options. I mean, you can. There are some stiffer um, Delrin bushings and stuff you can use. Um, but I don't know. 
So, Most people that have an S2 aren't necessarily, it's not their daily anymore. It's, it's more of a, they're more of a, a track weekend car. Sure. So uh, that concludes the lunch breakdown, unless there's anything else you want to tell the listeners. Uh, no, I'm, I, I don't even know what the lunch breakdown is. You just did a lunch breakdown. Uh, Adam lunch and I break- try to record these things over lunch <laughs> because they're very easy to do. And uh, the goal is to catch someone on their lunch break where we can do a show like this. I see. Okay. <laughs> um, okay, cool. Well, uh, I'm going to stop recording and we're going to do another show. So uh, okay. I'll be right back. Slip Angle was created by Austin Cabot and Adam Jubay, co-hosted by Derek Yarbrough and production by Abram Schmucker, who mixes all of our terrible audio. If you like the show, please rate us and review us on iTunes and come and find us in the Pits at Grid Live to say hello. Hello.